Hey, this is Larry the Cable Guy, and you're listening to the Racing Boys, and if you ain't listening to them, you get out of the country because you're a communist. I love the Racing Boys. Like Mater says, they make me happier than a tornado in a trailer park. You know, the funny thing about that is the Larry voice and the Mater voice are exactly the same. Get her done! It's time for America's most unique motorsports show, Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys, brought to you by Rod and Supply and the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Todd Surprise running the show for us as he does each and every day here at RBN, the Race Boys Broadcasting Network. My partner, Kirk Elliott, sitting straight across from me. And, uh, man, what a weekend at Lakeside Speedway. Kirk, just so you know, I ran out the back door at the end of that race with one lap to go and didn't see Donnie Schatz pick up the victory. How about that? Well, you're in such a worry about how you're going to get out of the property. You you, you uh, felt uh, that was more important than staying around to see who won the race. Hey, all what was I, that all about? All I can say is, is that it looked like David Gravel had that thing bagged. It did look like it. It did. That was about five laps to go. He had about a straightaways length lead on, right. on Donnie Schatz. Right, no doubt. But guess what? Lap traffic became a big factor in that race, and it didn't take very long for Donnie to chase uh, David Gravel down and make that move down to the inside, coming to the white flag, and he made it stick. You know, uh, uh, Donnie was using the top in one and two and the bottom in three and four, and he, he really was making big gains down there in three and four. Yeah, I mean, he's uh some it's it's like you know we talked about it on Saturday morning with the ASCS race down at uh, Devil's Bowl when Blake Hahn was the leader and sometimes you're uh, at a disadvantage when you're in the lead and in that instance Sam Haperteep Jr. was able to go where Blake wasn't going and got the got the win down there the same kind of principle applied on Saturday night at Lakeside Speedway. David Gravel was just flying away and why would he change what he's doing when he had such a big lead, and I think uh, Donnie caught him by surprise there. He got caught up behind a lap car up high in turn number four, and right. Donnie was able to take advantage of it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Kirk? I'm happy we got the race in, too, by the way, Scott, because I was a little bit nervous that when they went out there and decided to work the racetrack and put water on the track and we had to bring the cars back out to hot lap to run it in, that oh, we might uh, not get it in. Let, let, me, let me just bring this up. The World of Outlaws did not want to rework the racetrack. No. Right? No, I got that confirmation on uh, Saturday night. They were in hurry-up mode. At the beginning of the night, they knew that rain was forecast. We talked about it on Saturday well, morning. Uh, listen. That uh, rain was forecast to roll in at 10 o'clock. And, that, boy, they were right about that forecast. Right. So they ripped the racetrack at the top on both ends, and then they watered the bottom, right? They, well, they decided to put water where they had ripped it up, up on the top side of the racetrack. And why in the world would you put water on a racetrack that's got water coming out on it. when it's already got moisture in it? Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I don't think the World of Outlaws knew that that was going to happen. To be right honest with you, they were in hurry-up mode from the beginning of the night. They dispensed with the driver interviews after the heat races. They dispensed with the drawing of the lineup for the dash that they normally do out on the front stretch. They drew that in the infield. They were in hustle-up mode. Got to get this show in. Right. And SLS Promotions also made a statement they wanted to be done by 9 o'clock. And here's the situation at Lakeside Speedway. For those that don't know, they really don't have a general manager at Lakeside Speedway right now. They've got an owner, Don Mars, and he was there. He was racing in the stock car division the other night. But Don Mars has delegated authority to all these different divisions at Lakeside Speedway, including the track prep. I think we. I believe that, and I'm not going to throw any names out there, the track prep guys took it upon themselves to bring the tractors out on the racetrack and hey you know we're just gonna fix the top side and we'll roll it in everything will be all right i don't think the world of outlaws officials knew what they were going to be doing i really don't yeah and they came out and i think once they were out on the racetrack they put a lot of trust in these guys okay hurry up get it done get it rolled in let's go that was the world of outlaws position and uh, this is a case where communication was not real good between the track prep guys and the officials at Lakeside Speedway. And so what happened was, whenever you put water on a racetrack, especially in the month of October, it was middle of October, you're going to have trouble rolling that track in. So they thought the stock cars would come out and roll it in. That didn't work. And they said, guess what, guys? We got to get these sprint cars out there. We got to do hot lap sessions for sprint cars, or we're never going to have a racetrack to race on. Because it was greasy as hell before they brought those cars out there to run it in. Well, they got to run in, and it turned out to be a great racetrack. But the weather forecast was still at play. They still had a half hour to get that race in before it started raining, and they just got it in um, before the checkered after you know the checkered flag flew before it rained. I'm I'm going to give the guys out there at Lakeside Speedway a little love because that track was in excellent condition. It, it had, was. It had it a top great. and it had a bottom, and, and Donnie Schatz took advantage of the bottom down there in three and four, and David Gravel was ripping the top all the way around the racetrack. The problem with that is, had they not got that race in before it, you know, so if it started raining around halfway mark, it'd be a lot of upset people out there if that would occur. Well, they got lucky. They I, got away with it. I was up in the Seaberg muffler suite, and let me tell you, a lot of the people were very frustrated how long it was taking. Yeah. That was a long intermission that they took and i thought the track was good anyway if they'd not touched the racetrack i still thought the track was in good shape i didn't personally i didn't think they needed to do anything with it let's go racing but they came out ripped it out it turned out to be a great racetrack but i i don't think it was a whole lot better than what it was before they started working on it but that's just my opinion i think it was better it was i think so well i'm gonna go with you on that they they probably improved it but for what cost and the bottom line is they got it in they got the show in it was a great race and and, and listen soon as i got in my car to leave to drive out of that because i park right behind the concession stand right behind the the the, the grandstands I ran down those steps, got in my car, and as soon as I pulled out of there, it started raining. Yeah. Yeah. 
And had you not left when you did, you would have been over an hour getting out of there. How long did it take you to get out of there, Kurt? Uh, I sat in my car for about an hour. An and, hour? Yeah, and I didn't go right to the car after that. I went down to the pits, uh, talked to Donnie, and uh, I wasn't in any big hurry to get out of there, talked to some other people. So by the time I got to the car, uh, which was a half hour after the checkered flag flew, uh, it still took uh, over an hour before I could move to get out. But that's all right. I I didn't have anything else to do. I got home about, I live about a half hour from the racetrack. I got home about 1230. Mm. Well. So at least you got home lots quicker than I did hey, by leaving when you did, even though you didn't see the end of the race. I, I didn't see the end of the race, but I, I will tell you this. I was home 20 minutes after that race was over. Just so you yeah. know. Well, that that but if had you waited, you wouldn't have been home till after midnight. I know it. That's that's listen. The traffic out there was out on the main road, all the way around the corner, up the street, and and, and I'm Where telling they were you, parked on the side of the road. On the side yeah. of the road, and I, let me tell you something. When I saw that, I knew exactly what I was up against. And I knew exactly what I needed to do to get out of there in time. And I and, and well, I, the people who parked out on the road are veterans at Lakeside Speedway. They know the traffic situation getting out of that racetrack is tough, so that they know to park out on the road in order to get a quick exit out there. The only the big problem with Lakeside Speedway, we talked about it for years, is one, one way, way in, in, one way out. Yeah. You got to go over railroad tracks. And it's just the nature of the beast. And I don't think there's anything anybody can do about it, but that's just the way it is. Frog says, I thought I was going to have a birthday before they got it started. I was in the uh, my car for one hour, ten minutes. Well, the biggest thing is they had to go down and convince the race teams that they needed to bring their cars out on the ra- Everybody had already got everything set up for the feature, okay? Right. They had the tires on the car ready for the A-Main to come out, and then you got the the outlaw officials going down there trying to convince these guys that, hey, if, we, if you guys don't come out here and we run some hot laps, we're never going to get this track run in. So we're not going to be able to put on a show unless you're going to be able to do it. So that took a little bit of time to go down there. These guys had to take their race tires off, put other tires on to come out. I'm sure none of the race teams were very happy about having to do that, but they had to do it or they would have never had a racetrack to race on. Right. Well, I, 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 I'm not as extreme as you are about that. I, I think the racetrack was in excellent condition. It had an excellent racing it surface. It turned out to be great, but they would have never got it run in had they not run those hot laps. It was greasy. When they first brought the first cars out to hot lap it, it was greasy up on the high side. They finally got it run in. Well, they, but had they not had those hot lap sessions, we would have never had a racetrack to run on. Well, let me tell you, when they brought the stock cars out there to run them around there. Well, that wasn't they, enough. They didn't end up running that race, did they? No, they, they uh, were to run that race after the sprint car feature. They had the cars out, lined up, ready to go. Then it was raining. They had to call it off. Yeah. Donnie Schatz picks up the victory. David Gravel was second. Brad Sweet was third. Giovanni Selzy was fourth. And Carson Macedo was fifth. 
Brian Brown, I thought, uh, had a pretty good shot of winning that, especially after he won the dash and got the pole position but, but, for the race. He ended up eighth. He, he faded it there at the end of yeah, the I'm race. Not, I'm not he really ended quite up sure. running eighth. Yeah. And he ended. He, he started on the pole. And I thought he was going to win that race for a minute. Yeah, I'm not really quite sure what was going on with Brownie's car, but uh, he was certainly in a great position to win that, starting on the pole. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, How about Jade Avedesian picking up the Extreme Outlaw Midget Championship, Kurt? She she got it done down at uh, I-44. Uh, Riverside Speedway on Saturday night, the second of two nights of the Charlene Mintz Memorial Race. And uh, it was uh, it was pretty dramatic down towards the end of that race as uh, she held off uh, Cannon McIntosh, who ended up having trouble in that race. He had uh, some kind of uh, issue where he had to drop out and wasn't able to uh, finish up the event, so that made things a little bit easier for Jade to lock it down on Saturday night, but congratulations to her after, uh, I think she won, what, five races this year on that series? Uh, for uh, the, She's still a teenager, Jade Abadesian, to win a championship of any kind, especially in a, in a series that still possesses some great competition, not, not as tough as the USAC National Sprint Car Tour, but... Uh, you still got a lot of guys that uh, run that extreme series that are pretty salty, and for her to pick up that championship after coming through with that third place finish on Saturday night, it's pretty impressive. Hayden Reinbold, the winner. As as we've mentioned many times, she is the best female racer out there right now. Would you say? No doubt. Yeah. No question about it. Congratulations also to Carter Sarf who uh, pulled out the uh, championship of the Power Eye National Midget Tour. Cannon McIntosh had the lead in that event before uh, trouble uh, ensued his run on Saturday night, and so Carter Sarf was able to uh, pull ahead and come through with the title in the Power Eye. Congratulations to him. Yep, no doubt about it. Um, so we've got Donnie Schatz lined up for the show today, don't we? We do. Right, that's a big win for Donnie. He'd not uh, not had a good run of it here lately. After his King's Royal win at Eldora Speedway in July, he said had pretty rough go of it. And for him to uh, he qualified well, got himself in a great position on Saturday night, and pull off that victory. That's big for him, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so let let's talk a little bit about. The passing of a legend, Kirk. One of the great dirt late model drivers of all time passed away yesterday. Freddie Smith, the Southern gentleman, died at the age of 76 uh, at leukemia. And, uh, you know, the dirt late model world is mourning one of the uh, great ones here this morning. And uh, we'd seen him down through the years. Anybody that's a dirt late model fan knows about Freddie Smith and all of what he has accomplished. We have the Dirt Track World Championship coming up at Eldora Speedway uh, this Saturday. He was a five-time winner of that event. And he'd also won uh, some other big-time races. I think he won the Late Model Dream a couple of times at Eldora Speedway. Uh, Certainly one of the legendary drivers uh, died uh, yesterday. Southern gentleman, Freddie Smith. 
785 victories, Kirk. Can you imagine that? That is 785 victories. Yeah, he's uh, the the biggest memory I have of Freddie Smith is when he showed up along with the Tampa Tampa series. You were there that night. At, My last year announced races at Adams County Speedway in Corning, Iowa. Big five car pileup. He was involved in one of the biggest crashes I've seen in late model racing. A couple of guys got upside down. He was one of them. Down in turns three and four. And uh, that was that's my biggest memory, only because it was at a track I was working that night and worked in my hometown track. Uh, but for other people, his wins will be the most that they remember out of Freddie Smith. But uh, right. he left his mark on dirt late model racing, no doubt about it. The 1996 Havitampa Late Model Series champion, just yep. so you know. Yeah, well, it's, uh, hopefully, I put in a call to James Essex, the uh, legendary announcer of the uh, Lucas Hole Late Model Series, and uh, he uh, knows all about Freddie Smith. Hopefully, we'll hear back from James and give us uh, his stories about uh, uh, Freddie I, Smith uh, coming up later in the show. We'll see if we uh, I, I hear don't, back I from don't him. think you're going to hear back from him. Well, we'll see. Yeah. So, anyway, that's uh, later in the show, if we can do it. Okay, Kirk. Congratulations um, to uh, Jason Martin, the newly crowned champion of the ASCS National Tour. He locked that up on Saturday night by just starting the A-Main at Devil's Bowl Speedway. It's show-up points for the Short Track Nationals next week, so points are all over for ASCS. Congratulations, Jason Martin. Um, Jade Avedesian picked up that championship. She, she beat Zach Dom by 59 points. How about that? Zach yeah. Dom's not a bad racer either. And she outran Zach Dom. Right. Too, so. Yeah, that was good racing down at I-44 Riverside Speedway. I thought they had that track in great shape and uh, good shows on both Friday and Saturday night down there. Hyden Reinbolt, he he picked up the victory down there yep. in the Extreme Series that weekend. So, what would you think about that win? Uh, young guy. Uh, he's... Uh, Certainly one of the up-and-coming stars of midget racing right now. He's picked up his first national uh, victory on Saturday night. So talking about Jade Abadesian winning the championship, big night for Hayden Reinbold to win his first in a, in a national tour. Yeah. T uh, Tanner Swanson, he, he's picked up the final Silver Crown, USAC Silver Crown race. What would you think about that? That was yesterday. That was supposed to have been on Saturday night, right. but rain put an end to that, and uh, they were able to run that race yesterday. Tanner Swanson grabbed the lead on lap 24, that 100-lap race uh, on the pavement at IRP, and uh, went ahead to beat Bobby Santos and Justin Grant. Ends up third, Cody Swanson fourth, and C.J. Leary fifth. Logan Seabee wraps up the championship in the Silver Crown Series on Saturday night. So, uh, big win for Tanner Swanson and Logan Seavey. Congratulations to him for uh, winning the championship. Justin Sanders picks up the win at um, Hanford. Did you see that, Kirk? Kings Speedway out of Hanford, California. That was on Friday night. Uh, big win for Justin Sanders. He'd spent a lot of time in the Macri car this year in the High Limit Series uh, before Anthony 
jumped back into the family-owned 39M car. And in the meantime, Justin made his way back out home in California over the weekend and uh, picked up a big one at King Speedway on Friday night. Yep. And Sam Hayfertief, he picked up the win both nights down at Devil's Bowl Speedway, the final night for the the ASCS National Sprint Car Tour. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him down there running with the World of Outlaws this weekend. Oh, I would expect him to yep. be there for sure. That's uh, near home for Sam. Let, let, let me just say this. Sam kind of mentioned in the post-race interview with Scotty Cook that there might be a glimmer of hope that he comes back to ASCS. You know, he hasn't won a lot of races in 410 racing, and he's a five-time champion with the ASCS National Sprint Car Tour. And I've got a feeling that he's going to come back and run run full-time next year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think he'll still run some ASCS events from time to time, but for him to back out of what he's doing in the 410 uh, right now, that would surprise me. They put a lot of uh, sweat and tears in the last couple of years to try to make that move to 410 racing, and I think they've grown. They've made some progress this last year. He won at Eldora Speedway. Right. Uh, it's, it's been a hard slog. There's no doubt about that for Sam, not winning as many races as he used to winning, but for them to kind of turn back what they've already accomplished in 410, I, I would be very surprised if he goes full-time back at ASCS. I, I wouldn't be. He likes to win, and he likes to win a lot of races, and that's just how Sam is. But he'd like to win, and I, I think he's on the cusp of doing it in the 410 ranks. I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to go out on the limb and say that he's not going to run the ASCS National Tour next year, but I I got a feeling that that's going to happen. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, Mostly Motorsports is brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. And when we come back, the winner at Lakeside Speedway, Donnie Schatz, is going to join us right here on Mostly Motorsports. Listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com.
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the national... Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do. Go harder. 
faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back to Mostly Motorsports. I'm Scott, he's Kirk, we're the Racing Boys. And joining us now is the 10-time World of Outlaw champion. He picked up the win at Lakeside Speedway, his fourth win of the year. Donnie Schatz joins us now. Donnie, how you doing? Doing good. How about you guys? Hey, we're doing pretty good, man. That, that was an exciting finish uh, the other night when you picked up that victory on the last lap. Talk about that last lap. Well, obviously, you know, we, we had a great night from beginning to end. You know, we hot-lapped well, um, got ourselves qualified well, and, and just raced well all night. Um, you know, the start of the race there, you know, I was a little delirious to go up top because it was so greasy when we hot-lapped there. Um, you know, but I knew it was going to come in at some point. Um, but at Lakeside, we've had uh, a lot of success, um, you know, being able to get around the bottom of three and four when it gets so far around the top. So, you know, I kind of stayed there uh, most of the race. I mean, I started to, you know, I ran it in and started to gain some ground. And, and um, you know, I think we, we were about equal with David, but, you know, he, he got himself in, in lap traffic where he had to check up, and um, I was able to make that bottom work. So uh, just, you know, the way it worked out, it, it ended up being on the last lap. I guess uh, it's better late than never. Yeah, you were ripping the top down in one and two, but you were on the bottom in three and four. Uh, Talk about the conditions of the racetrack. I know that they went out there and they put water on it, and and that just caused a bunch of chaos right there, didn't it? Well, it's um, you know it's a tough situation. Um, you know, it's a it's a group of outside promoters that come in to to put on the World of Outlaw show, and they bring their own track guy with them. And you know, he's notorious for you know water, 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 and um, you know normally they have you know, a tiller or some sort of equipment, but uh, apparently the tiller wasn't um, functioning, so they, they didn't have any equipment to dig anything up. So he just went ahead and watered it, and, man, it didn't really uh, – it just took forever to run in. So, um, you know, we're lucky we got it. <laughs> it didn't take any longer than it did because uh, standing on the front stretch after the race, it started raining, and, and um, you know, it was ultimately important to get the race in. So, um, you know, everybody did a great job. Yeah, it drug out a little bit, but um, – you know, they, they felt like it wasn't going to be quality show if they would have left it alone, and, and I, I agree with that. So um, they did what they could to make a change, and, and obviously it, it, it probably bit them a little bit, but uh, ultimately it ended up in a good night. So you agreed with uh, them coming out there doing what they did to the racetrack when they first did it? Well, I agreed with them putting some water on there. Uh, maybe they got a little bit excessive, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Obviously we went out and, and hot-lapped. You know, when they were ready to blow the horn for the feature, everybody put on different tires and scrambled. And, you know, it, it was a, you know, it took everybody's effort to, to get the job done, or we'd probably be talking about the race at Lakeside that didn't happen and trying to figure right. out a, a makeup date sometime right now. But um, that isn't the case. So, uh, it, you know, it all ended up for the best. What does that do to your whole mindset when you got to come uh, bring the car back out to hot lap right before the A main to run it in? Well, you can use it as an advantage, too. You know, you, you really can. Um, you know, obviously we put, 
you don't want to use your feature tires because everybody had new new tires on for the feature, so you didn't want to, you know, scuff them up or take a chance or, of, you know, cutting anything. So uh, everybody put tires on, and it gives you an opportunity to go out and, and, you know, try something or see if you're any good. But at the end of the day, you, you can also put yourself in a spot where you, you know, get end up tore up, and that's what we ultimately don't want to see, and, and thankfully nobody had that happen. Right. Um, what do you think about Lakeside, the track itself? Um, I know it's only about 20 minutes from our studio here, right here at RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. What do you think about Lakeside Speedway, the racetrack itself? You know, it's always been a great place. Um, you know, it races races fairly well. We've had some, you know, subpar races there, but it's a, it's a, it's awesome to go. Uh, I think most importantly, every time you go there, it has a, you know, the grandstands are full, and that's that's what makes um, – you know, makes this sport what it is. And, and sometimes that the fact that we have fans in the stands gets overshadowed by, you know, Dirt Vision and, and all these streaming platforms that, you know, people can sit at home and watch. But if ultimately we don't have a racetrack with people at it to go, we don't have that that platform to be able to, to stream. So, um, you know, Lakeside's one of them places where they got a great fan base. And, and obviously it was cold on Saturday and it was windy and it was misty and people still came out. And they still watched, and and obviously you went away happy. So, you know, it's um, every racetrack has their own unique things. Um, you know, one of my heroes, um, you know, ultimately got hurt there at Lakeside when they tried to run pavement. So right. that's always in the back of your mind. Um, it's one of those places that uh, someone you looked up to got hurt, and I think everybody can can attest to um, departing the racetrack after the races are over is probably one of the most difficult, long challenges of the year. So. Um, but apart from that, uh, the, the racing part of it's great. Yeah. So, uh, Doug, Doug Wolfgang, he was one of your, your heroes when you were growing up, I take it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Doug Wolfgang always was. Um, I, I have, you know, portraits of, of uh, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, you know, school pictures, and they all were Doug Wolfgang T-shirts. You probably won't find me <laughs> at, at a young age without having a Doug Wolfgang T-shirt on in any school photos, so... Um, yeah, and it, that's, you know, obviously where, you know, he was injured and, um, you know, it's just the nature of the beast that happens, but, um, we don't run any pavement, so I don't think we got to worry about that. Yeah. These big, fast racetracks seem to fit in your wheelhouse with Ford and everything. We saw you out at Eldora Speedway. You won the Kings Royal out there. You ran well at Knoxville, even though you didn't win. And Lakeside Speedway the other night, you got to be licking your chops going to Devil's Bowl Speedway and a historic weekend next weekend. Absolutely. You know, the, the bigger tracks have, have suited us, uh, you know, fairly well the way our cars and, and our motors work. Um, you know, last weekend was a completely new car combination that we haven't run for years. Um, it was a, a completely new motor combination that we've been waiting for for some time to get. So, um, you know, it's pretty neat to have that um obviously the short track stuff is what we've focused on you know that when you got to start moving your foot around um a lot you got to be able to you know be able to control what's there not just um you know on the top end but on the bottom end too so and, and that's what wins championships um you know being able to control what you have and uh you know when you sit i, I know how we won 10 championships and that's how we won it and the four that have been won since then by brad that's how he's able to do it he's always has everything under control so um, that's what we're focused on. That's what we're trying to. That's what we're trying to do. But um, you know, it's a. It's going to be a kind of a bittersweet weekend um, at Devil's Bowl. Final time going there. Uh, probably one of the first racetracks I went to when I first started racing uh, to race with the Outlaws. You know, in the spring and 
um, we we had a little time lapse where we didn't go, but um, obviously the, the final weekend this weekend, so it's going to be there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of memories and and um, hopefully nothing gets overshadowed and we can have a great race and weekend and be nothing better than to win the the final race at Devil's Bowl Speedway. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we've lost I eighty, we've lost I thirty, and now Devil's Bowl. It, 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 it is this kind of a trend that we're seeing with racetracks because it really. In the promotion business, the weekly racing uh, programs are are not really as healthy as they weren't once were. Would you agree with that? Totally agreed. Yeah, I t- totally agree. Weekly racing is is really struggling at the moment. Um, if it if there is weekly racing, I don't know that it's sprint car tracks that are that are doing it. It's it's modified tracks and stock car tracks across the country that are able to run weekly. And and you know they. They work awful hard for what little they get out of it. Um, yeah, racetracks are disappearing. It's it's unfortunate. I don't I don't know how you stop it. Um, I don't know what you you do. Um, you know these these racetracks make most of their money on a big event, just like what Lakeside did the other night. That's you know kind of helps support them for the year. Um, you know keep things going. But um, you know the way the structure is, like I said, it's it's an outside group of promoters. So some of it sticks to Lakeside, but probably not enough. Um, it's no different than, than where we, where I live up here. I mean, we've been in the racetrack, you know, operated Red River High Speedway for three years and, um, it's a challenge on the weekly stuff. So you gotta, you gotta get what you can. Um, you gotta really love racing. It, it takes a lot of people and, uh, there's just so many, so many things for people to do nowadays. And, um, you know, they have so much access to the weather and everything unlike we did back in the day. Cause everybody has a cell phone and everybody has weather apps right. and, um, you know, and obviously it's streamed. Um, I think that's a big thing is to, to, you know, people not coming as much. I know, um, you know, maybe there's a, maybe it's come to a time where, you know, if you're within a hundred mile radius of, of a race, um, that you have to, you have to either be there or you're, you're blacked out on the stream. And I don't know what the answer is, but, uh, something's got to be done to try to keep these racetracks going and, and keep them functioning. Do, do you think streaming has caused any problems for any of the local racetracks some of the, some of these racetracks they they promote these races and they stream them live do you think that hurts them a little bit absolutely i think i think the same thing that's made it grow is the same thing that's hurting it and it, it is the streaming you know i'm not against it by any means it's right. great but i think it's way too cheap all of the platforms are way too cheap um you, you know you know what it costs when you go to the races it costs you 45 or 50 dollars to get in the pits and it's Thirty-five or forty dollars to get in the stands, and heck, you can watch a whole month of racing on on Dirt Vision or whatever platform you want for for almost less than that. So, I just think it's you know they've cut their own throat in that department, um, you know. But uh, like I said, it, it that's what's helping it grow. But I think it's also the ultimate demise to it too. And and um, but that's just my opinion. How about uh, Tony Stewart with a big uh, smile on his face this weekend? You were the forerunner of a big day at the drag strip yesterday for Tony Stewart racing. His wife wins top fuel. Matt Hagen wins funny car. You're the winner on Saturday night. Uh, Tony's got a big smile on his face today. Yeah, I'd say, you know, he's probably got a smile on his face. That He's pretty focused on the drag racing deal. Um, not sure. He Obviously, he knows we won, but uh, we don't communicate with him as much as, as, as what we once did. So... He's got his plate full there. Obviously, he's pretty focused on, you know, uh, what he's got going on, and they're obviously doing a great job. So um, those guys had a great weekend. Obviously, you know, one of them, I think one was in the point lead, and the other one um, assumed the point lead after the win. So 
they got a couple races left, and, um, you know, we wish them the best. Hopefully they can get the job done for both of them. Hey, Donnie, this is your fourth win of the year. Are, it, it, does that make you a little frustrated knowing that you've only got four wins in, in 2023? Absolutely. It's almost embarrassing. Um, you know, we've had years where we won 30 races, and that was when things were great. But um, you're not going to win championships only winning four races. Um, you know, I know last year or the year before we won five races. Brad won five races. He won the championship and re-ran fifth, and it's – it's not always about the races you win. It's the races you don't win that win the championship, and ultimately that's what we want to do. So, yeah, it's um, it's very frustrating. Uh, some days you, you question a lot of things, and um, but I guess that's just the nature of the beast. You can you can deal with it and keep going, or you can you know walk away, and, and that's not just that's not what I'm planning on doing. So um, we'll just keep digging and, and see what happens. Yeah, uh, one of those big wins was the Kings Royal earlier this year that uh that was a monster victory yeah king's royals was great it's always you know a little different format we've been able to to win the king's royal uh from qualifying well and getting through our heat race and we obviously this year won it from uh you know winning the heat race from i think the third position in the heat so you know it's it's a different mindset when you get to those big races and i think that's something that we've always focused on and been a little bit better because we don't treat it like it's something different. And I think uh, a lot of guys get psyched out on some of the stuff they do uh, on the racetrack when you get to some of them bigger events. But, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was a long week. Obviously if we could trade it for the million, we would financially, but I think the King right. Royal was uh, a huge win for us and, and, and still a great payday. So, uh, you know, I got a little motivation going, but obviously that was our last win uh, apart from the prelim at Knoxville. So, um, you know, we've guys have definitely worked hard to try to, to make things a lot better, and uh, we're starting to get some stuff that's that uh, seems pretty positive. So, right. looking forward to what's going on. Well, you've got uh, what one more to catch, Steve, at Knoxville, and uh, are you one behind? You got six Kings Royals now, right? Uh, I think so. I'm not real sure. I <laughs> you got I a lot. I don't of... get into those stats and numbers. Uh, you know, it's probably something someday when I when my when my grandchild is old enough to understand what it is and i'll sit there and gloat about uh you know those numbers and and stats but uh, when you're living in the moment it's really hard to to even comprehend or think about it so um i try to keep that in the back as far in the back of my mind as i possibly can yep Uh, just so you know we have one of your die casts right here on our set we've got cameras all over our set here and we've got one of your uh car quest die casts sitting right here next to brad sweet well, I, you better put it in front of the front of that car. It it, <laughs> it, 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 it it is in front of his car. <laughs> well, just so twi- you know, you got yeah, twice as many championships yeah, sure, as just, Brad Sweet just, now. Just for today, just for today, because I'm on the show. I'm sure, but right, no, no, no. <laughs> it, it's always in front of Brad Sweet, just because you're you're a ten time World of Outlaw champion, and and we can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Uh, we we appreciate you taking the time to join us, and. Uh, Man, go out there and pick up some more wins before it's all over with. All right? I'll I'll do my best, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank Thanks, you, Donnie. Donnie. Thank you. There you have it. Donnie Schatz joining us here on Mostly Motorsports. And the Racing Boys brings good luck to Donnie. Because you're going to be down at Devil's Bowl this weekend, right? Um, The plans are for me to be at to Devil's the Bowl back. if the truck is fixed. But the Racing Boys seems to bring Donnie good luck. Every time we see him in person, he runs up front and yep. wins a lot. No doubt about it. You were out Eldora, Knoxville. 
the other night at Lakeside. Yep. I'm just saying. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Chase Rodman. Chase Rodman is going to join us here on the show. He is an excellent pit reporter for the World of Outlaws, and uh, we'll we'll get his comments on what he saw at Lakeside Speedway on Saturday night. Stay tuned for more of Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll be back with more right here on Mostly Motorsports. Listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com.
race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together uh, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing spread car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back to Mostly Motorsports. Todd Surprise running the show. Kirk Elliott, my partner for the last 23 years. It's hard to believe we've been together 23 years, isn't it, Kirk? Oh, I believe it. Yeah. It's real. Right. We're here. We're, we're, we're real. <laughs> Joining us now on the show is Chase Rodman. And uh, he was out at Lakeside on Saturday night. And Chase... That was a fantastic finish to that race, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. Great finish to the race after a pretty questionable rest of the evening. Um, but, you know, that, that finish kind of made up for all the shenanigans that happened throughout the night. So uh, good to see Donnie get back in victory lane, uh, especially in an exciting way like that. So uh, overall, I mean, it was a, it was a decent night. Let's just say that Kirk was there. He knows. I mean, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on there before that feature started. So I I, w I was there as well. Just so you but know, but you left early. Oh, Scott left early before the thing. Uh, hey, I thought gravel. <laughs> blame it. It's tough to get out of that place. Hey, listen. I thought gravel had that race won, and it was the white flag lap. And I ran out the back door to get in my car to get out of there because I knew that there was going to be a massive traffic jam getting out of that place. And oh yeah, and, I mean, and, it was and I thought jam when we left. I thought that uh, gravel had that thing won, didn't you? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd say I thought he had it won till maybe about five or seven laps to go. Maybe Donnie, once he found that top one and two, bottom three and four, that seemed to be the line to run and he was catching them pretty quick and gravel got to the back of the lap cars and 
for some reason, everybody's tearing Noah Gass apart on Facebook and Twitter like it was his fault. He was just running his line, and um, Gravel just kind of got caught up behind him. No fault to Noah Gass. He's running his own race. But, um, you know, put Donnie in a good spot. Nobody else uh, was in his way on the inside of the track in turns three and four, and uh, he made it work. You know, Gravel definitely looked good. And it was crazy. You know, Donnie at one point fell back to like sixth place, I think, in that race, right? And and still came back to win. So right. uh, he was he was pretty good. Hey, so Donnie Schatz, he, he he was really making his ground on David Gravel in three and four, wasn't he? Yeah, the bottom, uh, you know, with that rework that they did, um, you know, and I think he kind of talked about it as well in his post-race interview that, you know, he, he thought it was going to be there, um, but he didn't know for how long. Um, and it kind of stuck around, obviously, the entire race. And, man, he had to be, I know, a tenth or two or three tenths faster than gravel, I'd say, about every lap when he ran down there, you know, the right way um, and uh, made it work. So, uh, you know, you could always leave it to Donnie to try and find a line that nobody else is running and make it fast. I've noticed that with him for the last, you know, ten years or so. Yeah, you know, Donnie shot – is the best at running the center of the racetrack. When it when it gets slick in the middle, that's when he's his best, isn't he? Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, back in the day before I was a pit reporter or anything, me and my buddies were just watching, you know, uh, Dirt Vision or, you know, listening on, you know, when it was just Dirt Vision audio. And, you know, he's always here, Johnny, and here comes Donnie shots through the middle. And it was like, I was always, you know, the running joke. And I think it's a running joke for a lot of people as well. Uh, you know, whenever you see somebody run in the middle good, you always compare him to Donnie Schott. So right. he has definitely trademarked that move. Uh, I'll step back and talk about the uh, track prep that went on before the A-Main. Now, SLS Promotions stages this event. Uh, the Now, Donnie brought this up a little bit earlier, and I want to get this straight. Does SLS bring in their own track people and equipment to prepare this racetrack, or do they lean on the – a local track at all i'm not sure about that so i'm not sure about it either i do you know a lot of the sls races that we that we do you know that that they do i should say river cities red river valley um beaver dam and then obviously this weekend as well and then i think also at wilmot um and so i feel you know back in the day you know i when i say back in the day i mean like a year ago when you know when larry hillerud was still around he would handle the track prep and he was obviously very good at it we had some really good races over the years during the sls races uh and i would say a lot of that was due to him doing his thing out there on the tractor you know but uh from gathering more information it kind of sounds like it was maybe the, a guy at the track that maybe messed up there and i heard something about a broken water valve on the water truck or something i'm not sure if that was you know actually a thing or if somebody's messing around but that's kind of what I was hearing towards the end of the night, a broken valve on the water truck or something. So um, I'm not sure if it was SLS's fault or, or not. I'm not sure whose fault it was, but, um, you know, it made for a really long night. We were trying to, you know, I was told at the beginning of the night we were trying to be done by 9 p.m. because of the, the rain that was coming. Right. Um, and we didn't roll off that feature till what, 10 maybe? Yep. It, yeah. It, it was right at 10 o'clock. And let me tell you, Donnie Schatz thought that they – they did a good job on reworking the yeah, racetrack. Yeah, he, he said that something needed to be done to the racetrack. He agreed that, that they needed to come out and do something with the racetrack. I was surprised to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I think it maybe would have taken rubber if, if they didn't do anything. To, it was just, it's one of those situations, you know, where it's 50-something degrees outside and there's no sun, it's all clouds, it's, you know, kind of, 
uh, you know, like kind of that damp feeling when you're when you're standing outside and when you pour that much water on it, you know, it's just there was just no way that it was going to get worked in quick. You know, they had those street stocks out there for a long time packing it in. Then for- they had had the sprint cars come out and do a couple sessions. I mean, I agree with him that the track probably needed something to not take rubber, but um, I just think there was just a, uh, just too much water put down. And like I said earlier, luckily, you know, they saved it, and, and the, the best drivers in the world do what they did and, and put on a great race. Yeah, I mean, it just started raining right as you were doing victory lane interviews. Matter of fact, you couldn't do second and third place. They'd already taken off, so they just got it in before the rain fell. Yeah, I mean, I was as soon as I asked Donnie the second question, um, it was raining, you know, and I was told right before the, the interviews to, to try and make them quick. Uh, but when you had a finish like that, I'm not going to leave it to just one question, you know. So I yeah. uh, got two questions in there with Donnie, and there was just no way, you know, there was just no way that we were going to be able to finish those interviews and get those street stock guys out there to race without that rain coming down. So hate that for them, especially after all the work they did to try and put the, you know, get the track back in. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess the main show got – got uh, got in which is what's most important i'd say to the fans how, how tough is that to ask these uh, racers to bring their cars back out the hot lap before an a main they got to take their race tires off uh just how difficult is that for the race teams to be asked to come out because if they hadn't done it they they we wouldn't have been able to see a race yeah and that is, that's a great question you know but um i really don't didn't hear very many complaints you know, I didn't really think anybody was complaining. There was a couple of guys, you know, Brad Sweet in particular, uh, him and Eric and Jenatin and uh, a couple other guys actually went out and did multiple, you know, hot lap sessions to get that track worked in, you know. So I thought that was cool to see that, you know, nobody was out there, you know, throwing a fit or having any issues with it. They knew that we needed to get the show in. Uh, we'd ran, you know, all the heats, everything. We only had to run one feature, and um, and they didn't want to have to, you know, come back again or, or just ruin, you know, the, the night for the fans, you know. So um, it was definitely a difficult decision and one that, honestly, in my three years, I don't think I've ever seen it to where we had the outlaw, you know, the outlaws come out and, and work the racetrack in after track prep. That was the first time I've ever seen it. And that's not really to Brad Sweet's benefit to be able to come out there. He he would rather see that rained out, would he not, with the point lead he's got? That's not his benefit to run that race. I agree, um, and then also you think about putting all those extra laps on the motors, all the extra laps on the cars. I mean, really, I mean, you know, these guys, I feel like most of them are on a very set schedule of, like, you know, how many laps have I ran on this motor? Okay, we're going to take it out, put another one in that's fresh, right? Put all those extra laps on the motors, that messes things up. I mean, potentially a guy could blow a motor, putting too many laps on it, or hits the wall when it's, a, you know, on a greasy track trying to get it worked in, you know? So I would say he would definitely want it to rain out, but... He was also, I think he started third, and, and at one point looked like he could have won. So maybe that was part of his decision-making. Like, hey, man, i got a car that can win, uh, so I'd like to get this thing in. So I'm um, not sure, but uh, I'm just glad it worked out, really. Yeah. Hey, tell us about how how bad the win was at 81 Speedway um, the, the day before on Friday night. How, how bad was the win that night? Yeah, it was pretty bad. You know, I, it's. It's a tough thing, man. I mean, it was wind. It was very windy. I took a couple of videos and was sending them to my to a couple of my buddies and whatnot, and showing them how bad it was. You know, uh, the the flags all around the track were, you know, fully straight, like fully horizontal, right? I mean, the whole time. 
um, and there was big old dust clouds, dust storms that would come flying to the pits and through T-shirt alley and all that stuff. You know, I mean, it was it was not pleasant. And I'll tell you right now, my least favorite weather condition is his wind, and it was it was pretty miserable, to be honest. And um, you know, it was like twenty something mile per hour winds consistently, but then every now and again, like I said, it you know, you get those dust clouds coming through and it'd be gusting up to 40 miles an hour. Um, and it's just not safe to have people, you know, I mean, wing sprint cars going out there and, and trying to drive in those conditions, you know. So I do agree with some of the fans that the, maybe it should have been called a little bit earlier because uh, there was a lot of people lined up at the gate ready to, you know, walk in. Um, but it's just a tough decision all around from not only the track's perspective but the series and, and everything, you know. It's, yeah. You're never going to please everybody. I learned that a long time ago. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, so what do you think about Lakeside Speedway as a racetrack? What's your thoughts on that racetrack? I think it's great. Uh, I think it's like just, you know, I'm a 3-8 guy. 3-8 is like kind of the perfect size. But when Lakeside gets right, uh, you know, it's a little bit bigger. Uh, but it can it can race almost like a smaller track, almost like a 3-8. And we kind right. of saw that. Uh, this weekend, you know, um, guys right up against the wall. You had a bottom. Uh, I, I mean, even this weekend, it's, it was a rare occasion where the heat races and the feature were good. I thought the heats, you know, maybe the leaders got a little bit far away, but the battles for the transfer spots and the dash spots were not, not you know, too bad at all. Yeah. Um, it was a rare night where almost every race on track was pretty exciting. So that's hard to do, um, and I definitely applaud them for that. But I'm a big fan of Lakeside. Um, I just wish it wasn't, you know, 50 degrees and, and a little bit windy and, and the rain and stuff. If that would have been gone. It would have been probably a perfect night. Uh, Gio Celsi always seems to run well at Lakeside. He had a fourth place finish the other night, but he's always running up front there. Yeah, it, that makes his last four starts there. I want to say first, second, first, and fourth. Um, and at one point, you know, he was up in second in our race. So uh, he's definitely got that place figured out. And he said it earlier on uh, during our pre-race show. We got an interview with him, and he was mentioning that, uh, you know, it's just a track that really suits that program. So uh, clearly that is the case. Uh, every time those guys show up, they are a factor. So uh, Geo, and now he you know, pulls away a little bit more in that race for fourth and points. So, um, yeah, they were definitely solid. All right, let's talk about a historic weekend coming up, Devil's Bull Speedway. This is the final go-around for that racetrack. Uh, this is going to be huge coming up Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and I just saw a couple minutes ago, right before you guys called, that they actually bumped up the purse quite a bit. So Saturday, it sounds like it's going to be twenty thousand and twenty-three to win, and also nineteen seventy-eight, so one thousand nine seventy-eight to start, which was obviously the years the Outlaws started and the very first race with the Outlaws was their Devils Bowl. So that was a, that's a cool tribute to the track. Um, and I'm telling you, it it could be, you know. Three years ago, when I first went there, there was 26 million people there, and I'm telling you, they might want to bring in some spare grandstands this weekend, guys, because it doesn't matter what race it is that the Outlaws are there. There is so many people there, but with it being the last one, with it being you know a race purse and all that, there are going to be so many people there. It's going to be a zoo uh, at Devil's Bowl this weekend, so that'll be cool to see. And it, it is sad that you know. The very first track the Outlaws went to is, is going away, um, but hopefully we can you know have two good races and and uh, it can go out with a bang. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm planning on being down there this weekend at Devil's Bowl, 
And then I'm going to go to the Short Track Nationals over at Texarkana 67 uh, the, the next weekend. So I'm going to come down there, camp out, and and have a good time and, and enjoy the final race at Devil's Bowl Speedway. I've been traveling down to Devil's Bowl Speedway, just so you know. Three times a year, ASCS went there to race, and we, we, we would go for the Spring Nationals, the the winter nationals and the three times a year we summer nationals summer nationals yeah. as well and you had a special relationship with uh, Lanny and Beverly let, let me just say that Lanny Edwards let me just tell you this one time Lanny Edwards one time come up and chewed me out while I was live on the air just so you know that well, that happens every now and again. What did you do? <laughs> well, what what we did at that time, we would bring in our own announcer with the ASCS National Sprint Car Tour, and and when we we brought in this guy, he was he, Lanny wasn't happy that we brought this guy in, and it who was it? It was Ben Shelton, wasn't it? Might have been. It, it was remember. Ben Shelton. I think that's it. Yeah, I think it was, too, as well. And but you he, still got along with Lanny. Hey, he, but let me tell you something. <laughs> Lanny Edwards doesn't apologize very much, but the next morning, Lanny gave me a call and told me he was sorry that he jumped my ass. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I'm telling you, Lanny doesn't apologize very often, does he, Kurt? No. No. But uh, – he he was a, he was a great guy. Of course, the co-founder of the Chili Bowl and Beverly. Uh, what what a sweet lady she was. And no doubt. Of course, everybody's going to be thinking about Lanny and Beverly this weekend. No doubt. Yeah, a, a lot of people are going to be wearing red down there oh, this yeah. weekend. That yep. was his color. Yep, that was his color. Uh, I will also be wearing red uh, for another reason, though. Uh, oh. That is the color of their vision. But hey, we can we can make it a tribute to Lanny as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Chase, we can't thank you for taking the time to join us here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Hey, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but did you notice the size of the checkered flag with the flag man up there in the in the in the uh, flag stand? Did you notice the size of that flag? I actually did. That's funny you say that. My camera guy uh, this weekend mentioned that. He saw it earlier, and he thinks that the guy lost it, lost the original one, and had to go get that one from the uh, from the um, souvenir stand. For those other no kidding. Other ones. So, lost yeah, the checkered flag. Very small. Hey, yeah, that, that's probably the most important one. <laughs> that, that was the smallest checkered flag I'd oh ever seen. God. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it had to be half the size of the rest of the flags, and I'm right. sure when the checkered came out, they. I'm sure over the radio they were having to tell them, hey, you know, checkers out if you couldn't see it. You know, right. so no, no it was definitely it. way smaller. All right, Chase, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on Mostly Motorsports. We can't thank you enough for doing it each and every week with us. And uh, thanks so much yep. for taking the time. Great job. Thank you, guys. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Scott, maybe we'll see you this weekend. All right, we'll see you down there this weekend. All right, there you have it. Chase Rodman joining us. So we got us. an explanation of why we saw a small checkered flag. How about that? So he lost lost the checkered flag and had to go to the souvenir trailer to get another one. Do wow. you believe that? 
It was the small. How could you lose hey, the checkered flag? That was flag? the smallest checkered flag I'd ever seen in my life. I didn't notice until I went back and watched the video, and you guys said that. It, it, it's the smallest checkered flag I've ever seen. It looks like he's just waving his hand. How can you it lose was. the checkered flag? Huh? I don't how know how you happen? lose the Somebody checkered flag. Somebody snagged that checkered flag. Somebody took it. Somebody stole somebody it. Somebody stole it. That's what happened. Yeah. And that sucks that somebody just come and steal your check. I mean, those guys, they pack those things up at the end of the night. We watch them. Right. Well, they got those VP race fuels checkered flags that they use in Victory Lane. I, they have to. That those are bigger flags than the one that was used the other night, are they not? The ones I, they I'm, fly I'm in telling Victory you, Kirk, Lane? that was a toy flag that he was waving. It was a toy flag. Doesn't Lakeside have their own? Well, he could have went up and got one of their checkered flags, right? You know that explains why uh, I was surprised. Uh, that what you just brought up is I was up there in the outer grandstand and I did that's the reason why I didn't see the checkered flag. And I'm thinking to myself, if this race is over because <laughs> it didn't wasn't see very the big checkered flag. That's why. If you go back and it watch the video, small. it just looks like he's moving his hand. <laughs> I'll pull it up and we come back out of the break. Oh yeah, yeah, no it, doubt it, about it. Now it, that I think about it, at the end of that race the other night, I saw the yellow come out and I said well, heck, this race is over. <laughs> you can see That's the yellow why I without didn't a see problem. The checkered flag. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. He was about hoping it. nobody noticed. Uh, right. And <laughs> it was the biggest joke up there in the Seaberg Muffler Suite Could you that we were all talking about how little that flag was, that it's checkered flag carrying was. a little flag in his pocket. Wow. Yeah, no doubt about Just it. Just another crazy chapter of the night at Lakeside Speedway that we're very happy they got it in. That guy was probably That's just like, let's just get out of hey, it. Listen, Todd, the traffic was lined up down both sides of the road yeah. and then turned the corner and went up the road as well. I'm telling you. That was the – maybe – Kirk said it wasn't as big as the crowd that they had last year. Not quite as big as a year ago, but yeah. almost. Well, the cold probably kept a little bit of people. Yeah, the, the weather, water, no doubt. Because the little kids, there are going to be some little kids yeah. that didn't decided right. not to go, and parents are like, yeah, we don't need to listen to our kids or keep them Wine. Yeah, or right. even keep them in the cold. But if it was me – and I was an entrepreneur. I would look into buying the lot that used to have the go the go kart track and the lot that used to have the pallet company. You can't build anything down there because of the flood problem, but you could put in a parking lot down there, right? And and make an extra exit out. Well, I don't know about making an extra exit out, but you could have all the cars there on the other side and have them go in one direction out of there, and then the other ones coming back. But have it two lanes, you know, coming out of there. Yeah, but that's a lot of cars on that street. I had a friend of mine send me a picture, and he said, "What's going on?" I said, "Oh, it's World of Outlaws," and it's he was like, well, "Man, you know, there was an event uh, a few years ago, uh, and I think it was a USMTS event. There was some uh, Grant Young Ann's Memorial, which is coming up here in a couple of weeks, by the way. Uh, that there were cars parked on the side roads going out. That they came up and yeah, made they, an announcement on the PA. You better gotta, get your car off the side of the road, or we're going to tow it off. Because it was all the way back up. On there the was side too the many road. cars down there to tow off well, all those cars. When it was all this all the way up to almost a four thirty five though. Yeah, they were parking right off a of four thirty five, and you can't, you just can't do that. That's right. That's designated now for gambling. <laughs> that's, that's where you pull off the gambling. Veteran 
spectators at Lakeside Speedway that park out there because they know the traffic situation out there. They think about it. If you had, they're not afraid to walk a long way to get to the car because they yeah. know they get out well, of there. Well, think if you had that where John O'Neill's little go-kart track uh, was uh, and you had an exit that came out the other side, right? Just pave that little parking lot in and there. And all you'd have to do is just come out the opposite side that you go in on right there and you'd have two exits out of that place and, hell, you would have make some good money i'd pay three bucks to park over there knowing i could get out I'd pay five bucks knowing i get out of there early yeah hey all i know is is that i was home in 20 minutes but you missed the finish of the race i missed, you the, missed finish the pass of the race. for the lead i missed the the final pass you for went the home and you thought david gravel had won i thought he won in fact i i said to kirk when he walked in this morning i said david gravel won right he said no donnie shots won on the last lap you're you're willing to sit here and admit that. I, I'm willing to because I didn't want to sit in traffic for an hour and a half. I didn't want to sit in the traffic. No, I come in here and I said, we got Donnie Schatz on the air. And it says, why don't you get the winner on? And I said, he is the winner. <laughs> right. He is the winner. <laughs> right. All right, Todd. Oh, my God. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Trent Barry is going to join us here on the show. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. And we'll be back with more right here in a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods. And specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods. And specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. 
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months, and that got really, really expensive, so having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life, and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Their season is over for the year. I, I just can't get over the flag thing out there at Lakeside Speedway. How does somebody lose the checkered flag? That is a good question. That's a question of the week right there. How does that happen? How does that happen? Kirk? And now, and now I understand why I didn't see the checkered flag come out on Saturday night. 
Now I know. You did, it was too small. You were completely clueless that there was a small checkered flag. You didn't even see it. Yeah, I was clueless because I didn't even see the checkered flag. Yeah. That would explain that. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see it on uh, those of you watching live here on. I, you don't Facebook. even notice it until you look at it. <laughs> look at it. Look at it. Tiny. Well, look how big That's the black and the yellow. Look, uh, the stick is all the way out the top of it. Did that, you see that? That flag right there would have been that bigger. That flag was big. That Donnie Schatz is waving in victory circle is bigger than the Absol- one they used. Absolutely right. <laughs> I uh, got a couple of big sweepstakes going on at uh, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame, one of which is a new sprint car. They're going to be drawing in December of 2024, not this December, but a year from this December. And it features a triple X chassis with a new Al Parker Racing Engines 410 cubic inch power plant. This is a great sprint car, and you can go to winasprintcar.com to enter in that sweepstakes and also we've got a new corvette we're going to give it away next year in the national sprint car hall of fame a torch red z06 corvette convertible with a z07 performance package and twenty-five thousand dollars cash to the grand prize winner and this will be drawn the week after the knoxville nationals this next august and you can get entered in with that uh, at the win a Z06Corvette.com website and get entered in. Great fundraisers for the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame. Bob Baker has done such a great job up there. Uh, He's been really good to us. They've got the Brian Clawson Tower paid off now, but there's still a lot of projects that need to be done up there to keep the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum growing. Uh, They just finished off the Williams Grove exhibit here a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure they'll have another big exhibit that's yet to be announced for 2024. And the museum is open year-around with the exception of a couple of big holidays. And uh, check out all what they got at the gift shop up there at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame. and uh, Sprintcarstuff.com. Right. And uh, is it too early to think about Christmas? No, in middle October it is, isn't it? No, it's not too early to so think about Christmas. So you can start thinking about gift ideas, and I gotta believe Sammy Swindell's book is going to be in that gift shop. Up Kirk, you keep point. saying that, but it's not up there for not sale yet. yet. But Sammy is selling it and autographing the book right now. Right. So, and if, point, if you want to buy the book, book Sammy Swindell's book, go to his Facebook page yeah. and look him up on on his Facebook page, and he will sell you that book, autograph it for you, and then send it to you. And I still got to get mine ordered, too, so I'm going to have him do that. So maybe today I'll get get ordered my Sammy book. You've already uh, started. I've got mine. Yours, right? I've already got mine. A lot of stories to read in there. Great it was great having Sammy on here a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was great to talk to Donnie Schatz here a few yep. minutes ago. No doubt. All right. Let's go to the phones right now, and let's talk about Jason Hughes bags $20,000 at Arrowhead Speedway. Trent Berry joins us now from RacingDirt.com. Man, that, that that's a big payday right there, twenty grand. That's a home oh, win, too, isn't huge. it? Yeah, huge payday, and he, uh, he won Thursday as well. 
and uh, that was that was the one that broke his winless streak and uh, backed it up two nights earlier. So he's good there. His uh, his race shop's about five minutes down the road, but that track is totally different than what he used to race on. So um, it was uh, it was a wild wild weekend for sure. There was a there's a ton of cars and a bunch of people, and, and uh, everything went good. Hey Trenton, what is the biggest payday of the year for USNTS? Um, Twenty five so grand. This, well, so it was the it was the twenty fifth anniversary race this year. It was twenty five grand, yeah, back in uh, August, and this one was right there close to it. So, yeah, those are the two biggest ones this year. That other race they, up in they Mason varied, City. Yeah, they varied a little bit over the years. Back in back in seventeen, they had a fifty thousand to win at Cedar Lake. That was pretty wild. We had a forty the next year after that. Um, for a race that's uh, it's called the Masters it's up there in the middle of the summer, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the biggest uh, for the year were, were those two this year. Hey, what changes did they make to Arrowhead Speedway from the old track? How different is it now than what it used to be? Oh man, it was. Uh, well, that, they said they told me that that front main grandstand was on a hill, so they had to level all that ground first on the front side. So all the buildings are new, and the grandstands are new. Um, the suites on top were new. The wall was new. The fence was new. All the concrete work. All the buildings in the back, uh, all the fencing around the property, um, basically everything. Um, they took and put black dirt on top of it, uh, That so the dirt was new. The lighting was new. All the electrical was new. Uh, it's three, three and a half million in it. So far, man, that's so, a lot of and money. That, and you, you, you don't see people invest that kind of money into racetracks anymore, do you? Well, I don't know. I mean, I it doesn't seem like you see it a lot, but you know, another place that's had a ton of capital improvements is '81, and um, and and J.R. Sartain's put put a ton of money on the line, not only to buy the places, but to to get them. Um, to get them kind of revamped as well and uh, put put a little money into Humboldt too. So not a ton, but we've been, we've been fortunate here in our area to have, have a couple of them here pretty recently uh, that are, that are done, done well. And so the, the deal at Arrowhead, uh, they're not, they're not even done yet. They got a whole, they got a whole rundown of stuff they're going to do here now that their season's done and they've got it wrapped up uh, before they go into winter. And then as they can work through the winter heading into to spring next year, I've got to talk about Jason Hughes leading every lap of that 50-lap race. And that, yeah, that was so a pretty it, dominant performance, wasn't it? It was, but it, but it was but it was tight. It was it was tight about the whole way, and they had a yellow on uh, lap 38, and that got him out of lap traffic. Jake Tim was all over him. Tim ran second every every night this weekend, all three nights. Jake Tim ran second, and he was. He was hot on the heels there for Hughes, and they were side by side for a lot of it. Um, Jason just had a little better line up top, and, and Jake kind of forced Jake to go to the bottom. And uh, man, he was he was right there, and they were slicing through lap cars, and um, it it was you know the the box score will show that fifty, but you know like there's different ways to to lead all the laps in a race, and that one that one he had Jason had no margin for error, and he never really got pulled away too far from. From anybody, so to speak, a um, little more on the, that final restart and run to the end, but um, they were their cars all over 
all over that racetrack, and he he earned every single bit of that this weekend, and he showed why he's one of the one of the greatest that, uh, that that's ever done it. So it's pretty cool. It was a super popular win. Um, they had a two seater race car there that they gave a few rides in um, on Saturday night, and so Jason jumped in that thing after his win. And he got he got to give some victory laps for some of his uh some of his family that was there at the races too. So that was neat the uh the racetrack let him do that as well, kind of in honor of his win. And so they had a good time and it was it was cool. That was a that was a much needed win. I don't know that there's been a more popular win this year. Um he just means so much to mod racing and, and in that area it came at the perfect place at the perfect time for him. Yeah, he's uh, certainly one of the all-time greats. You could kind of see this coming. He had a good run up at Deer Creek the one night that they yes. ran up there, and he's had some good runs lately. It's just been a while since he got to Victory Lane, so you could sort of see this coming that he would run good this weekend. Yes, and he, he ran the arms race there earlier this year and was uh, oh, he was second or third. I think he was second uh, to, to Chad Wheeler in that race, and um, he's, he's been, he, he's been strong. He's, he's contended, he's competed, he's been in things. It's not like he's just been like out in left field and all of a sudden he's been right there, but right. just, you know, for whatever reason, he, it didn't all line up his way until he got, got two out of three this weekend. And I'll say too, they, uh, uh, track, track rubbered up on Thursday and, they took a little different approach to, to prepping it Friday and got the help from a little bit of rain and then kind of carried that approach over to Saturday as well. And Ryan Whitworth was there all weekend as kind of a, I mean, he was there to watch the race, but he was kind of a consultant for him on the racetrack a little bit because they'd fought, they'd fought rubber there quite a bit this year. And, and it was, it was tough because they had an all new surface and you had, a whole new place that she'd never worked on before, and they're they're just trying to, kind of trying to develop their, their processes for how they're going to go about prepping the racetrack, and and they they dealt with all sorts of you know different conditions like everybody does, but they didn't have any kind of notebook or previous previous things to go off of, so they were just kind of been winging it, trying to figure out the best way to to get that thing uh, get that thing in the best racing shape and get it to last all night and. Um, they, they made a bunch of good strides this week, and I hope I hope what I hope what they did I hope they commit to carrying over because that's what that place is going to need for sustained success. Um, it uh, it is so smooth and the track is so hard packed, um, but they're going to have to they're going to just till in it and, and get in it to get get some water in it. Being a really hard packed racetrack is not a bad thing because those racetracks are generally smooth, and that's that's what the majority of racers like. But same time, you gotta you gotta figure out how to keep just a little bit of traction, and that you know at least at least up until the end of the night. Because if you you start your night with not enough traction in it, you're, you're just, it's just going to rubber, and your track's going to be gone, and and that's not good for anybody, racers, fans, or whatever. And they put on two excellent A mains between Friday and Saturday night, and that was due. Uh, all to the fact that they had a little bit of a different approach on track prep and it worked really well. And I was, I was proud to see them adapt and adjust and overcome and, and learn some things this weekend. 
Yeah, I thought I thought that Friday night's track was 180 degrees better than Thursday night, and uh, Rodney Sanders yes. put on a great show there. And Saturday night, just as good. So as rubber down and locked down as Thursday night was, it was 100% better on yeah. both Friday and Saturday night. And, I, you know, they got a ton of equipment there, and they got enough people. They've got everything under the sun there. They just – just hard when you're just getting started. You know, this, they only ran a handful of races this year, um, so it's it's hard to figure out what your your baseline is and what your expectation is. And you know, no two days are the same. But um, they also this was the first time they dealt with any sort of cooler weather for working too. So I think they were a little gun shy. They didn't want to they didn't want to flood it because the weather would be so much different than when it was hot out and ha- have a bad track the other way. So it's just a balancing act. It, it's really it's art out there when the, those guys can, can make those racetracks, do what they want them to do, and, and put on the shows they need to put on. But they, they did they did really good the Friday and Saturday night, and I was, I was super pumped to see that because there's a whole bunch of good people around that, around that place that are all trying to make that place as best they can make it. And, uh, I think they really shine, shine well under the bright lights this weekend with the pressure on. Well, we had a big lesson at Lakeside Speedway on Saturday night about track prep, and uh, the lesson is be careful with the water, uh, especially this time of the year. Uh, it took them a while to get that track run in after they did some track prep to it at and right before the A-Main on Saturday night. So I'm just saying be careful with the water at Lakeside Speedway oh, yeah. on, on, when you come back here on the 27th of October. Yeah, well, hope, hopefully they've hopefully they've learned that one, and hopefully we can get that race in, and the weather's good. And you know, it was a that was a heck of a race last year. Tyler Davis won it right at the end, and his race car was half falling apart. And man, he just just hung on right to the right to the very end, and, and had a had a heck of a race October there last year. So hopefully we can replicate something like that. I saw uh, I saw Lakeside there. So somebody had to back the Brinks truck up. I saw they were parked out on on the uh, yep. outside of the facility to get in there, and the grandstands are packed. Let, let me my t- goodness, what a, what a crowd. It took me an hour to get out of there on Saturday night. Uh, Scott left before the feature ended, too, hey, by the way. Hey, you know what I do? I normally leave yep. on the white flag lap. White flag. You see the white flag. And, and as soon as the white flag flew, I ran down the back steps, and Donnie Schatz passed yep. David Gravel for the win. He missed it. On the last lap. Well, so you, so you also, you also biffed it at the high limit race because they had a yellow on the white flag lap. <laughs> this, this, the one back in April when you rolled out on the white flag lap. You two for two leaving early this year. Well, uh, <laughs> but didn't you leave early that night too? There, hey, Trenton? hey, Trenton. Let let me just no, tell you. I did not. Oh, you stayed. Okay. Hey, hey, let me just oh, tell stayed. you this, Trenton. The the flag man lost the checkered flag. And he went up into the grandstands and bought a toy checkered flag, and he used that toy checkered flag for the checkered flag for the race. Do you believe that? Yeah. He lost the checkered flag. How could you lose a checkered flag? Yeah, there's nothing nothing anymore that surprises me (laughs) in racing. Hey, I want to talk about... Yeah, there's nothing. There's no literally... Like literally, I'm trying to think about like I, there's nothing you could tell me on the phone or otherwise that would. I'd be like, well, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I, I get, I guess so. Hey, huh. and, and let me tell you, it <laughs> it it was so small 
that nobody could even see the checkered flag. I didn't when see they threw it wave. It. I did not see it wave at the end. Well, you know, Kirk, he doesn't have really good eyes, no. to be honest with yeah, you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I missed well, the checkered flag at the end. I was like, oh, this race this, is uh, over. Outlaws. This, yeah. this was the world of outlaws. The checkered flag for the world of outlaws was a toy flag from the grandstands. Trenton, go back and pull I, pull up the video, Trenton, on YouTube. Yeah. It's real easy to watch. We won't. We've already played it on they, our show, uh, but pull it up, and it they, looks so funny, man, that you can't believe what you're seeing. They don't call it the greatest show on dirt for nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm just happy they got the show in after all that track prep they did. They just barely got it in before it started hey, raining. And, and we can't thank Donnie Schatz for taking the time yeah. to join us here on the show today and Chase Rodman as well. Trenton Berry joins us now from RacingDirt.com. Hey, I want to talk about Jake Tim. He, he's been doing a lot of late model racing this year too, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. And he's he split his time between the two. And honestly, I mean, I think he'd be, be battling Rodney right now just neck and neck for the championship if he would have decided to uh, run all the races this year. He's just been incredibly consistent every, every night. He's unloaded, um, been fast, uh, crazy fast. He's the only rage in the field at most of these races. Um, but, man, he's he is locked in. He can, he can put that race car, seems like, wherever he wants it to go on the racetrack. Um, obviously, we don't know if he would have been able to get around Jason Saturday night because the yellow flag came out, but any sort of slip up by Hughes and Jake would have taken the spot. Uh, he was he was that close. The uh, Jason's line was just a, just a tad faster on the top, but yeah, Jake's Jake's been unbelievable. This is the best year he's had uh, racing in his career. Uh, he'd won races each of the past two weekends, and then three seconds. And and here's how you know a guy's really rolling. He was just disgusted to do his second, his third second-place interview Saturday night on the front stretch. I mean, just completely disgusted to take, you know, a minute to do a second-place interview. And he and he did it, and I appreciate him doing it, but he would have just never been doing anything than talking to me about another runner-up finish. And that's when, – when guys get that attitude, which, you know, sometimes happens at this point in the season, uh, you can tell they've, they've had a, a really good year overall. When when you're racing for points, it takes a lot of the fun out of racing. To be honest with you, I I yeah. I, 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 I raced for ten years for points, and let me tell you, every time I did it, towards the end of the year, it it it, it just weighed on me too heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And he's not, you know, he's not in any any points battle either way with his late model or his modified. He's just he was just fed up with running second and and he was so good and he was he was good all over the racetrack all kinds of different conditions and um i'm not sure you know rodney's going to win this championship this year but you start thinking about driver of the year uh, and and who that might be in, in this world and i rodney's won for sure and probably has to go to him because he's seen it through for the championship but jake tim and tyler wolf aren't aren't very far behind him if if they are you know they're they're no more than like a half step behind him if that's if that's the case right and uh and not a lot not a lot of years you see we get we get down to the end of the year like this with what you know what would be three dominant race cars right tyler wolf had some crazy stat he led so many a main i think he'd led 
close to 200 A-Main laps or something, but only won two races this year. I mean, just nuts, uh, the the season he'd had. And he, he'd fought a little bit of bad luck here and there, too, but has just been incredibly fast. And I had, things didn't go his way Saturday night, but you have that from time to time. Right. Yeah, what happened to him on Saturday night, Tyler Wolf? I don't know. He was he was off, and I missed some of those. You know, I try to get you try I try to get what I can get in the infield, but the way they were they were shuffling those cars off that were broke on the yellow flags, and I didn't get a chance to to get to Tyler and see see what had happened. But uh, I just heard he wasn't super thrilled after the race. But I never got never got a chance to talk to him. Some of the guys that were making Shit. pretty good runs up through there. Tom Berry Jr. was one of them, twenty second yep. to ninth. Terry Phillips twenty sixth yep. to twelfth. That both of them were good. You know, another one that was that contended by the time the weekend was over was Chase Youngins. He um, he came to race this weekend and made the redraw. Started eighth in the A main, won his heat race Saturday night, and was up to third. And some something happened in the rear of the race car, and uh, uh, he he had to pull off. But he pulled off running third after he passed five cars. And you say, okay, I get it, five cars. But five cars when you're at the back of the redraw means that those five cars you're, you're passing are really, really good race cars and cars that are fast and, and pretty tough to pass. So uh, Chase had, had done a great job, too. And I feel like <clears throat> I feel like had he not broke right there, he was probably going to be your probably going to be your third place runner in that race. I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in that because he was he was still pushing and closing the gap uh, even when when his, uh, his mechanical problems happened. Hey, another big mover of the race, Tanner Mullins, 18th of yes. fourth. He's the defending winner of the Grant Young Ann's Memorial. Yes, and so that, you know, you're you're outside of that top 12 or uh, top 14. You're outside of the top 14 starting positions. You're coming out of a B main and just have to go have to go get through that B main and, and get yourself in a spot to, to contend that um, is, uh, is pretty good. I've seen Tanner make a lot of pushes through the field this year. He's He's uh, he's fought qualifying uh, tooth and nail the entire way this year it seems like and but man more times than not he's he's right there at the end of those races now his car looked like he'd been through war too on the uh, that, the right side right. once that race was over but he wasn't any worse for the wear and uh, he's he's gonna go to Vado to the fall nationals this week so uh, no rest for the wicked I, I know several of these guys are probably gonna go that way and I bet we get a few of them to go to the, the Spooker at Tri-State. Before we uh, before we get to Kansas City, there for the last, start the last weekend. Hey Trenton, how about Bucker kicking that sixty yard field goal the other night in the wind? Yeah, so Stick texted me. I had I had it on, so so we were racing Thursday night, but I had it on my phone in the infield, and I could you know I could kind of keep half an eye on it occasionally, <clears throat> and I didn't really get to watch it all the way that I wanted, but um, yeah, that was. That's pretty impressive, and, and what was cool, I thought, was that he he did it with so much room to spare. Um, now that's that's not actually his longest field goal. His longest was, um, gosh, it was sixty two, three, four, whatever it was. It was against the Bills last year. Hey, that and, that and I, and that I was at that game. That and field goal would have been good from seventy yards. Yeah, and that's you know that's what everybody said, but uh, it's a sh- shame he wasn't back just a few few more feet, but. Right. Uh, that's that was cool. He uh, he nailed it, and he he looks like he's back on fire this year. I was kind of worried after you know he a little up and down last year. I, I got to think that his his injury uh, that he had on that opening kickoff 
just kind of hampered him through parts of last season and no doubt whatever but but man he 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 looks he, he looks better than 100 he, he looks 200 percent right now if they're watching him kick that was not an easy kick because the wind was swirling well, uh, in the it was stadium. swirling uh, definitely a lot yeah. yeah no doubt yeah so I, what i what made me the happiest was that that's not win number 16 against the donkeys and Right. I, I'm sorry, but like that's that that game's not even a rivalry at this point. At this point in this, the teams are literally just wasting jet fuel to travel to these games. They're just they're they're just wasting money because wow. we know the Chiefs are going to win these games. The Broncos aren't even close. They're a trash franchise. They've always been a trash franchise, and the Chiefs continue to show them twice a year. How trashy they really are! Yeah, uh, let me get and this straight, Trent. How much do you hate the so, Denver Broncos? I hate the Denver Broncos as my number one most hated team in all sports. I hate them more than the Cowboys, the Yankees, and the St. Louis Cardinals. I hate the Denver Broncos. So you you hate them worse than the Raiders? Yes, a hundred percent. How about that? The Denver Bron and and I I have taken such revelry. 16 games, that's the past eight eight years, although that first one was only a half because they split it. So it's going to be 17 at the end of the season when we finish the full, the full year. But um, I've taken such pride in knowing that, that those losers just continue to lose nonstop. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wouldn't hold back, Trent, not really let it out just how you really feel. Uh, All right. It's so it's so satisfying. It's so it is so satisfying to see to see this just continue to play out year after year. Yeah, no doubt about I it. I had to listen. So I had I had some kids when I was in school, and here's where this stems from. I had some kids when I was in school that were Broncos fans in my in my grade, all right? And they had they had that that goofball John Elway as quarterback. I don't know. If, you probably never heard of him, but I right. mean, he, he did play quarterback for a while, but <laughs> Anyway, I understand if you've never heard of him. Um, but they would they would beat the Chiefs, and I would have to go to school the next day, and I would have to listen to them all week talk about the Chiefs and how bad they were, and they had the Denver Broncos. And then, then they won those two Super Bowls before he retired, and it was even worse. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, there's, that stuff is like it's like ingrained to, to my core of my being. Of, of this for the Denver Broncos because it was it was so uh, well it was everything when you were a kid you know what I mean you had your you had your teams and and if that's what you cared about and it was just like it's just like in in my soul and so to see this all turn around once I've grown up and gotten older and now now we've got the quarterback yeah yeah this is this hey, is pretty sweet hey so this is the final weekend. The World of Outlaws are going down to Devil's Bowl, and this is the final weekend yeah. for Devil's Bowl Speedway. What are your thoughts about that, man? So we we were uh, we were live there this this past weekend, and um, I, I thought the racing was really pretty good. Uh, they had a good field of cars. Um, you know, I don't know. So I, I've, I've been to Devil's Bowl, but I was never I was never at a race. I've, I've been there two times, but never on a race day. Um, so I don't, I don't have that perspective and experience to offer, but it's, um, it's tough to lose. It's 
tough to lose iconic places. And seems like we lost lost a few of them over the past few years, you know. And mm-hmm. um, that thing's in a super heavily populated area. I understand that land values and things are really sought after, right? Right, exactly where that thing's at. Well, we um, we we, we don't we don't need to feel sorry for uh, Lanny Ross or any one of the no, the Edwards family no. because they got a lot of money for that racetrack. Yeah, and 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 everybody's got to make the decisions best for them. I don't I don't feel sorry, fault them. I don't I don't anything. You know what I mean? Like that's just that's just business. That's just just business. It's moving on to the to the next thing, but. Um, I hate it for the sport and the fans that that really like that place. You know, I, I don't I don't know the people personally, but you know, there's people that dedicated their uh, a lot of their time to going to the Devil's Bowl Speedway, and it was an important part of their life. And you hate it for them, obviously. Um, just the same as you know, I, I know there's a lot of people around Little Rock that went to I-30 and and hated to see that place close, and a lot of people went to I-80, and and that was a big part of people's lives. So um, you hate it for that, but you wish the family well, and um, Hope hope for the best for uh, for everybody going forward. I guess it's probably the best thing I can I can say for it. You know, um, in in the the world you live in, you know, sometimes you just gotta move on from businesses, and things aren't meant to last forever. Hey, so. listen, would you take Frank Clark back? Probably. What don't you think for the right price? If he if he's around a million dollars, I would I would take him back, right? So I got a cra- I got a crazy take. I think I might take him back, but I think I'd limit his play until he gets to the playoffs. There, there's not a bad idea right there. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like if you get him low, I'm talking maybe maybe have him as a healthy scratch for a few games. You know they got those seven players ninety minutes before the game that that they have to come out with. I mean I'm just I'm just thinking here. Like that, that guy's a beast in the playoffs, and he would sure give you some heat, especially if he was fresh at that that time of the year. Because he D line's pretty good, but man, you, I don't I don't know that you could I don't know that you can have too many that can get to the quarterback when when your season's on the line. You know, just that's kind of crazy a little bit to think about. But um, I don't think he's nearly as pressing that he performed this year as it, as it has been in past years. But I think if the situation's right, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Hey, are, are are you a big Pacheco fan? Because me personally, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not a big Pacheco fan because I think he, 100%. I think he just runs right into a wall half the time. Yeah, I, I think he's a beast. I like how hard he plays. I think he's max effort. I like what they get from him. Um, I think he's uh, uh, he's pretty good catching the football. He's a decent blocker. I think he's the full package in a running back. Why I think he's most important for the Chiefs is I think you get all that and you get him at the right price. And I think that's that's is uh, he's as most valuable at that as he is anything. I think and he's so much better than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Just just night and day difference between him and and Hilaire. I think McKinnon's the best blocker in the backfield myself. Oh yeah, I don't I don't yeah, Pacheco's not the best. I'm just saying he can do it. Right. Yes, McKin- McKinnon is the best blocker in the backfield. No question about that. And, and I think McKinnon's probably the best receiver of all of them too. Yeah, no doubt. The backfield. And and I think McKinnon is incredibly valuable to the team, and I love what he offers. They yes. they need to use him more in my book. 
You well, I mean, I hear you, but they're also ready. You know, like I don't, I don't know. You don't want you don't want to kill a guy either. You know, most of these teams that are good have two running backs that can do things. So, I you know, there there'll come a time this year he'll he'll bust off a hundred yards or he'll have a he'll have a two or three touchdown game. You know, catch catch one or two and run for one and he'll, he'll have. What's cool about the Chiefs is they they spread the they spread the ball so much. You know, it's just like who's going to have the game this week? You know, there there'll come a point this year McKinnon will have. He, you know, he'll he'll be the one that really pushed the team to win, and he he's good enough to do that. Hey Trenton, you're a big late model fan. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, we lost a legend yesterday. Freddie Smith, the Southern gentleman, died at the age of seventy six. He was a big one. I saw that. I um. Man, I don't, Kirk. I don't recall that I got to watch him race in person ever, um, any, anywhere I was at. But I certainly, certainly knew the name and uh, knew what he meant. And it was, it, it's, it's been, I don't know. It's, it's not. I'm not going to say it's been neat because he, he's passed away. But it's been nice to be able to read so many positive comments about what he meant to racing and what he meant to people um, in, in his passing. Um, I, I've enjoyed. Uh, kind of strolling down memory lane and looking at some, looking at some of the the past there. So um, you, you hate to see that. Obviously, late model racing's got a huge weekend coming up here, and I I fully hope that they take some time to to do some sort of tribute to to Freddie and Eldora uh, coming up here. Seven seems like that'd be so fitting. Seven hundred and eighty-five victories. How about that? Yeah, and he won what a, what five. He won five dirt track world championship races down through the years. And a couple of times yeah. at Eldora, I think he was a two-time winner of the late model dream. So a ton of big races in his career and certainly left his mark on dirt late model racing. What Man. are your, uh, what are your thoughts about this weekend? They're going for a couple hundred thousand dollar championship Four drivers <clears throat> going for it this weekend. You've got Ricky Thornton, Jr. Hudson O'Neill, Jonathan Davenport and Devin Moran all fighting it out. So I'm, I mean, boy, that's, that's kind of a who's who right there when you run that down, isn't it? Um, so I think, I think it's awesome that Eldora is going to get the decided championship. I think that's awesome. That's, that's not, not happened at least in this era of dirt late model racing. Um, so I think that is just so perfect and fitting that, that that's there. Um, I think that the, their format was, was, heavily scrutinized this year and i don't know that that was i don't know that that's fair because they're just trying to all that lucas also is trying to do they're just trying to figure out a way to keep things interesting keep things spicy and and put on the best show they can and you guys know how this stuff works you gotta you gotta shake things up from time to time to to try to keep your keep your position in the market and keep your footing and keep things interesting and people engaged that this whole sports about keeping people engaged. That's, that, that is, that is job number one. And, and they have done that and it's going to come down to all eyes on this this weekend. And it means everything for their entire season. There's no question that Ricky Thornton has had the best year. Um, but as Tony Stewart so eloquently said in one of his post-race uh, press conferences at Kansas Speedway the year, he tried to take the chair out of there after he won the race. Yep. His second part of that, his second part of that, that whole thing, somebody asked him, well, under the old format, and Tony stopped him, and he goes, 
why are we talking about the old format? He goes, the old, the old format, that's not what we're doing. That's dumb to think about the old format. We all know what the format is. We all know what's on the line. And um, I thought that was pretty poignant out of Stewart that day, and I, I liked I liked what his mental approach was, and that was the year he won. He wound up won the championship. I think that was 10, 10, 11, somewhere in there. Uh, anyway, Stewart went on to win the championship, and it turned out that race at Kansas there in the fall was kind of the catalyst for that. But um, everybody knew what was on the line. There, there were no surprises, and I think it'll be a great way to end the in the season and i man i don't know i don't know how you pick between those those four guys that are out there i mean any any of them could win it and any of them would be remarkable champions to represent the series going into the off season hey trenton i i don't know if you've noticed but have you seen the new racingboys.com page uh i have not stick told me there was one there but i had i have not seen it no i had not had not been to it. boys i've been I've been burning the candle at all three ends here the past past couple of three weeks, but it, it's about to slow down. Well, that's good, man. You... Well, thank you for taking time to be with us every Monday. Yeah, well, I I, I appreciate it. I, I look forward. I don't know, I only appreciate the time that you guys allow, but I look forward to doing this on Monday and and uh, and talking with you guys. And when I get to trash the Broncos, it's just even that much sweeter. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Uh, all right, buddy. I got one more race on my calendar, and that's uh, October 27th, Lakeside Speedway, yeah. the Grant Young Ann's Memorial. Yep, Grant's Memorial race. I think it'll be good. Um, it always is, and it's quite a show, and it's great. We get to we get to get together, and, and everybody gets to kind of remember Grant and think about his impact and, and what he meant. And, um, it's uh, it's this still a little sad that day, I think, for everybody that's that's there. Um, but, but Grant loved racing. He loved that racetrack. Um, I got to talk to Chase this week in one of our pre-race interviews, and I'd never asked, I'd never asked uh, Chase or, or Greg, the boys' dad, I'd never asked either one of them why, why that race. Grant wanted that race at Lakeside, and he told Chase that before he passed, that, that if they decided to do one, that he would like it to be at Lakeside. And it was because when, they, when Greg first started on the race cars, the boys – were uh, were too young to go to the pits, and they would set up in the grandstands at Lakeside Speedway. Uh, Chase told me the best he remembered, you know, three, four in the afternoon, they'd watch all the race cars pull in, and he said it was just it was just like home to those boys because that was where where uh, Dad had had the race car all those years, and it's where they grew up. So it was pretty cool to hear Chase talk about what the track meant to them and and why why the race is there. And, and um, I was I was happy to be able to present that story uh, for for all the, you know, people in the racing world and people that cared about it. So it was, it was a really neat kind of just like human moment there. And, um, it's, it's neat that we're going to get to have it. So I hope the weather, you know, always thinking about weather this time of the year, I hope, I hope cross my fingers, we can have some good weather to put on a great race again. Cause if we can just have weather, I know the show will be off the charts. All right, Trenton. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us each and every week here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supplies, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Go back and check out the checkered flag at Lakeside Speedway. Can I will. You? I've got to go. I've got to go do it right now. Uh, all right, <laughs> you, you you got to check it out. It's a toy flag. That's all I can tell you. Okay. All right. All Where's right. Where's the best place to look for this? 
Dirt Vision. Yes. Go to World of Outlaws. Just type in World of Outlaws on YouTube. Just on go YouTube. to Dirt Vision. Well, you can do that, or or the YouTube one. It's right. It's only a five minute clip. You can fast forward right to the end. It's it's okay. the, it's the very good. last. I'm, I'm gonna go look at it. Yeah, you'll you'll love it. Uh, all right. Have Thank a you. good time. Right now. All right, buddy. Yeah, Thank you. you guys. All right. Yeah. Bye. There you have it. Hey, yesterday the Cup race. I don't know who you were rooting for, but I was rooting for Christopher Bell. Well, I know you were. Yeah. I always yeah. root for Christopher Bell. I didn't care who won. I thought Christopher Bell was going to get him. I, I really did, did. The last two or three laps, he clearly had the fastest car than Kyle Larson. But Larson did a good job of blocking him coming off the fourth turn to hold on. That was, uh, what they say, the second closest hey, finish? I would have bumped him out of the way. I'm surprised Bell didn't bump him. I thought he would move him. Let me tell you, if you knocked Kyle Larson out of the way for a win, you will be the biggest enemy of the fans that you you could possibly believe. There's no way. If you go in there and knock him out of the way for the win, you're going to be a heel for the rest of your life. Do so you think uh, Christopher Bell was thinking about that? Because he certainly does. He does not like Kyle Larson at all. They're not. They're not close I, friends. I don't think. I, I think the feeling is mutual. I don't think Larson likes hey, Christopher did, Bell. Did not. you notice that neither one of them mentioned either one no. of them yesterday in the interviews? Kyle Larson never said anything about Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell never said anything about Kyle Larson in that post-race interview. Well, other other than Larson said, "I appreciate him racing me clean at the end." He did say that, but. There has never been more disappointment for Kyle Larson than the time he lost to Bell at the Chili Bowl that one year. Yeah, there'll never be another race that that has angered Larson more than losing that one. So there's a lot of history there, and we'll see how it plays out from here on out. I still think Bell can make it in. He remember he won Martinsville last year to uh, make it into the Final Four. Right. So. I still think he's got a shot of doing it. It's surprising that Bell has only won one race this year, and that's the dirt race at Bristol. That's it. Yeah, no doubt. All uh, right. Also, congratulations to uh, Leah Pruitt, Tony Stewart's wife, who won the top fuel at the Motor De- Texas Motorplex yesterday, and Matt Hagen, his funny car, Tony Stewart's funny car driver, who won in... That you, division. You're repeating Those two yourself, drivers Kurt. are the points leaders now with two races to go, Las Vegas and Pomona. You're repeating yourself. I said that earlier, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Uh, you said Erica that to Donnie Ender, Schatz. But I didn't say Erica Enders won in uh, pro stock. She looks like she's on her way to her sixth championship. And Gage Herrera, who has been like a machine in pro stock motorcycles, going to win the championship in that division, all coming out with wins yesterday at the Texas Motorplex. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Mostly Motorsports. It's all been brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Their season is over as of I-35 a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yep, yep, no doubt about it. All right, for Todd Surprise, uh, our producer extraordinaire, and for Kirk Elliott. Hey, Kirk, I don't know if you heard this, but Jed Marshall passed away. Uh, I did not know that. He did. What in the I'm sh- Oh, no. Yeah. He is uh, 
at with Sports Radio 810. He was with WHB. He was with Sports Radio 810 for a long time. Oh my God, I had not heard that. Yeah. Oh my. All the best to uh, he, his family. He lost his wife in a car accident earlier this year. Oh, I am. I did not know that. Did yeah. you know that, Todd? No, I had no idea. Yeah, Jed Marshall's passed away. So we want to give a, a, a thoughts and prayers and hugs out to the family and all the family members with Jed Marshall. Oh my God, that is a shocker. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks all everybody he, for tuning he was, in. Uh, he ran our show for. A while. He for, did. For, yeah. for first a couple of years, did he not? Three or four years. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Before old Todd come along. No, he was here with me. He was. Were you? Yeah. He, he was on the Saturday morning on the other end. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That all is sad, sad news. Yeah. I am shocked to hear that. Yeah. So all the best to his right. family and everybody at Sports Radio 810 WHB who's grieving today. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Mostly Motorsports. Again, it's all been brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. For Todd Surprise, for Kirk Elliott, I'm Scott Trailer saying thanks for joining us. We'll see you Saturday morning on Track Talk. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years.